I want to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able, place your hand over your heart right now. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a pre-born baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. We've partnered with Preborn because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's network of clinics rescues 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter that doubles a baby's chances at life. By six weeks, eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a little baby is able to suck his or her thumb. For just $28, you can be the difference between the life or death of a child. And if you're a business owner, perhaps you can consider a larger donation for a write-off because we know the government isn't working on saving babies. A donation of 1000 2000 20000 All gifts are tax-deductible and will reach eternity. Get involved today to donate just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby that's pound 250 say the keyword baby or donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict that's preborn.com slash verdict when you have health insurance it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs that can be a lot of money But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million dollars. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Welcome. It's Verdict with Ted Cruz. Ben Ferguson with you. Senator, nice to chat with you today. Many people are on the road going to see family for Thanksgiving uh, and listening to this podcast. And I want to start with some good news. And that is we are seeing a lot of pressure on a lot of senators in D.C., on this gay marriage vote before we get into the pressure side of things i want to go step backwards for people that may have missed this important issue explain this vote and explain the mike lee amendment that is so important to protect religious institutions schools uh and and private schools especially from being persecuted by our government that's why this amendment for mike lee is so important well Democrats in Congress are pushing through a bill that embraces and codifies into federal law gay marriage. Twelve Republicans in the Senate have supported that bill. Now, different people, both Republicans and Democrats, have different views on gay marriage, and there's no doubt that views on gay marriage have changed and changed a lot with the American people over the last ten years. The biggest danger of this vote is that it will empower the Biden administration, and in particular the Biden IRS, to target people of faith. And by that I mean churches, I mean universities, I mean K-12 schools, I mean charities. Any organizations that, because of their faith, believe marriage is the union of one man and one woman and do not embrace same-sex marriage. 
And what it will empower the Biden IRS to do is to go after those institutions and persecute them, to strip them of their 501c3 status, to bar them from engaging with the government in providing services to the public. We've seen this happen. For example, the city of Philadelphia did this to Catholic charities because Catholic charities in Philadelphia, when it came to adoptions, would not facilitate adoption to a same-sex couple. The city of Philadelphia said Catholic Charities is out of the business of adoption. We won't allow them to assist with adoption. Now, mind you, there are lots of other adoption agencies, so if a same-sex couple in Philadelphia wanted to adopt a child, they could do so. They just couldn't conscript Catholic Charities to doing so in a way they believed was contrary to their faith. That particular policy was challenged when all the way to the Supreme Court was struck down. The real-world consequence of this bill before the Senate is the Biden IRS will now have an excuse to target and go after, for example, Liberty University. On the last podcast, I predicted Liberty University would be the very first target of the Biden IRS to try to deny their 501c3 status. So to prevent that, Mike Lee, Senator Mike Lee from Utah, has introduced an amendment that is an ironclad amendment that prohibits the IRS and and the Biden administration from targeting organizations because of their views on marriage. Now, what's the problem? Well, the Democrats have put fake religious liberty protections into their bill. In particular, they've said nothing in this bill will deny people their 501c3 status. Here's the problem. The Biden IRS would say, well, no, 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 it's not the bill that's denying them. It's us that's denying them. It's a classic lawyer sleight of hand that leaves a gaping hole. Now, so far, the Democrats have refused to accept Mike Lee's amendment. Why have they refused to accept Mike Lee's amendment? Because 12 Republicans are giving them the votes they need, so they don't have to accept Mike Lee's amendment. They got the vote, so their response to Mike Lee has been pound sand. On Monday, the Monday after Thanksgiving... We have a comeback vote Monday at 5.30 p.m. It is a 60-vote threshold to move this vote forward. That means if just three of the 12 Republicans who voted with the Democrats say, we will not vote for cloture, we will not vote to move this bill forward unless you adopt the Mike Lee Amendment, one of two things will happen. Either, number one, the Democrats say, okay, will adopt the Mike Lee Amendment, in which case it gets adopted, and then the bill passes. Or number two, the Democrats say no, pound sand, in which case the bill doesn't pass. But what that takes is three of the 12 to say, damn it, we're not going to be responsible for empowering the Biden IRS to persecute people of faith. And I got to say, I think that is just an incredibly important issue that a week ago, many people didn't understand. I will say, I do, I do think that, that this podcast has helped increase the number of people who understand what's at stake. It's so important. And if you are about to check out for the holidays, we all do it. We all spend time with our families. Before you check out, you need to be calling your senator. 
You need to be making sure they feel the pressure over the holidays uh, and tell them that they need to stand up, especially if it's one of these 12. We talked about this in the last podcast. You can go back and listen, and that list is there for you of those senators that you need to be talking to uh, and let them know we need to flip them and and make sure that some of them, at least three or more, uh, support this Mike Lee Amendment, which is so vitally important for this issue to protect religious liberty and so that the government doesn't have the ability to come out and attack. Uh, This is an important issue where we're winning right now. I love this part of the podcast because we get to encourage and inform you on what's really happening in Washington. And this is one of those issues that you need to get involved with. Ben, let me explain also, because it's not hard to see where the puck is going on this. Um, I think you're going to end up with most of those 12 saying, oh, I support the Mike Lee Amendment. If we had a vote, I'd vote for it. Well, in the Senate, just saying you'd vote for it when it's teed up, say, as a 50-vote threshold with a Democrat majority, is not really saying you care about it. That, that, that That's what's called a show vote. Yeah, oh, sure, I'm for that. No, we don't get that. Okay, well, never mind. I don't really care much. I'll let it go. The only leverage the minority has is to use 60-vote thresholds and deny your vote unless the majority gives in. As I said, one of the main Democrat sponsors was in the cloakroom last week and was saying, well, sorry, the Democrats just aren't willing to accept this. Well, of course they not. they're not. They'd be idiots if they were, because the Republicans started by saying, we'll support you without it. Why would the D's move? The only way they will move is if we get 41 Republicans to say, we will block cloture, and for that to happen, three of the 12 Republicans has to say, no Mike Lee Amendment, no bill. It's exactly what you need to ask for. Make sure you reach out to these senators, put pressure on them because they're going to come back from Thanksgiving break. And this is going to be right up immediately. They're trying to get this through as quick as they can before people even know what even happened. But before I get into that part of the story, I want to tell you a little bit about my good friends over at Patriot Mobile. If you've got a cell phone and 99 percent of Americans do. How would you like to know that with every phone call you make, you're supporting conservative causes? Well, that's what Patriot Mobile does. And they use the same cell towers that you're on right now, meaning you get the same exact coverage that you're getting right now. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider. They are a force for conservative values. Why? Because they take a portion of every bill that you pay and they fund conservative causes, candidates, and organizations that believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, and the Second Amendment and they're winning. If you're ready to have your dollars matter when you're paying a bill, switch to Patriot Mobile. They can save you money over what you're paying right now. They can save you and your family money, and they even can save your business or small business money because they have an entire section of the business that's just dedicated to businesses. They offer the same nationwide coverage as all the other major carriers, but the difference is you actually get to stand up for what you believe in every time you pay that bill. So go online to patriotmobile.com slash verdict, patriotmobile.com slash verdict. You'll get free activation and other major offers, and you can call them 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Use the promo code VERDICT. Senator, I want to move to another issue, and, and my social media is blown up over this. People have been reaching out, and, and this is 
maybe one of the weirdest headlines I've seen in a long time, that China is operating police stations in the United States of America. The FBI chief has now admitted that that is exactly what has happened here. The FBI director, Ray, confirmed the bureau is investigating the Chinese government's efforts to set up police stations in the United States of America, saying he's very concerned about Beijing's outrageous uh, transitional repression schemes. He says there's not only investigations in the U.S., but also in Europe and Canada and elsewhere that were spurred by Safeguard Defenders. It's a nonprofit organization uh, releasing a report on Chinese transitional policing gone wild, as they described it, with this Spain-based human rights advocacy group saying there are 54 overseas Chinese police service stations operating in 30 countries across five continents that have been uncovered by the group so far, meaning there's probably more. Ray was grilled about the Chinese efforts by Senator Rick Scott during a Senate hearing on Thursday, right before everybody left for the holidays. And the FBI director pointed the finger directly at the Chinese leader. I want to play for everybody this audio Take a listen uh, to the FBI director admitting this is happening not just around the world, but in the United States of America right now. It's been reported that the Chinese Communist Party are operating police stations in the United States in an effort to surveil Chinese dissidents. It seems obvious the U.S. shouldn't allow its most significant ge- geopolitical rival and oppressive communist regime to establish police stations in the U.S. What authority or jurisdiction does the CCP have in the U.S.? And I don't know which one when it testify. Well, Senator, uh, like you, I'm very concerned about this. Um, We are aware of the existence of these stations. I had to be careful about discussing our specific investigative work, but to me it is outrageous uh, to think that the Chinese police would attempt to set up shop, you know, in New York, let's say, without proper coordination. It violates sovereignty and and circumvents uh, standard judicial and law enforcement uh, cooperation processes. And the reason... The reason this is so important is because we have seen a clear pattern of the Chinese government, the Chinese Communist Party, exporting their trans, their repression right here into the U.S. And we've had now a number of indictments that you may have seen of the Chinese engaging in uncoordinated law, quote-unquote law enforcement action right here in the United States, harassing, stalking, surveilling, blackmailing uh, people who they just don't like or disagree with the, the Xi regime. Uh, and so it's a real problem, and it's something that we're talking with our, our foreign partners about as well, because we're not the only country where this has, uh, has occurred. Can you, do they, they don't have any right to be here, right? Well, we're looking into the legal parameters of it. Um, so I want to be a little bit careful to get, not to get out over my skis on that, but I suffice to say, I can tell you from an FBI director perspective, I'm deeply concerned about this, uh, and I'm not going to just let it lie. Senator, he says he's not going to let it lie. Well, if that's the case, and if he's deeply concerned, how do we get to the point where A, they're here, B, they're set up, and, and C, they're operating? So the answer to they don't have any right to be here should have been hell no. And, and I got to say, this actually underscores what the FBI should be focused on. Instead of harassing and targeting the political enemies of the Biden White House, instead of raiding Mar-a-Lago, instead of raiding the homes of pro-life activists, instead of investigating and persecuting parents who go to school boards, the FBI ought to be going after Chinese spies and ought to be going after these, these apparently police stations, Chinese police stations, operating on U.S. soil. Now, the FBI would say, we are. 
Well, you're not devoting enough resources because you say, well, gosh, I have to look into it. How about take all the folks you're using to, to play political enforcers and have them targeting the bad guys? Listen, China has been engaged in what they call Operation Fox Hunt, and that is a global effort aimed at forcing Chinese dissidents, aimed at forcing Uyghurs to return to China. And, and when this nonprofit that's based in Spain, when, when it published this report, uh, the Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs told El Correo, a newspaper in Spain, quote, I don't see what is wrong with pressuring criminals to face justice with all the guarantees contained in Chinese law. And, and the Chinese Foreign Ministry continued, quote, The sites you mentioned are not police stations or police service centers. They assist overseas Chinese nationals who need help in accessing online service platforms to get their driving licenses renewed and receive physical checkups for that purpose. It is stunning. The words that China is saying right there, that's what's known as a lie. It's an obvious lie. I will say one of the things about the Chinese Communist Party, they are liars, but they're really bad at it. They don't even really pretend... Uh, they're just horrible liars. And, and this is, it's reminiscent of in 2020, you may remember the Trump administration closed the Chinese consulate in Houston, my hometown. Yeah. And closed it because the Chinese consulate, quote, was a hub of spying and intellectual property theft. In other words, they had a consulate that was ostensibly doing all that stuff that, that the Chinese foreign ministry said, driver's licenses and assisting people. But what it really was doing is it was the central nerve center of a bunch of Chinese spies who were spying on people all throughout Houston and the region, who were engaged in the theft of intellectual property, who were trying to steal intellectual property from, from companies, from universities, from medical centers, and, and who were also, I, I, listen, I talked to individuals who were involved in closing that consulate. And it was, by all accounts, a hellhole, literally with, with, with detention cells in there, with rats in there. And, and the Chinese behave with impunity. They are engaged in, in, in an ongoing, essentially a new Cold War against us. And, and the Biden administration is not fighting back, which makes the Chinese communists only more aggressive. And i got to say, Ben, right now, the fact that it was a Spanish nonprofit organization that highlighted this, what the hell is the Biden administration doing? Well, why, and that's are why I was they gonna, not going after this? That's what I was going to ask you, because Ray even said this. He said the reason there is this is so important is because we have seen a clear pattern of the Chinese government, the Chinese Communist Party exporting uh, their repression right here in the U.S. And we've had. Now, a number of indictments that you may have seen of the Chinese engaging in uncoordinated, quote unquote, law enforcement actions right here in the United States of America, harassing, stalking, surveilling, blackmailing people who they just don't like or who disagree with the Xi regime. My question is, we clearly have known about this. The only reason why they're now responding is because they're being asked by Senator Scott because of this human rights group that has exposed this. Is the reason why the Biden administration has allowed them to operate in the U.S. because they're compromised with this deal 
that we now know about with Joe Biden being the big guy, Hunter Biden and the and the billions of dollars in loans and the millions of dollars coming into his family be, with these deals. I mean, hell, we just gave some of our strategic oil reserves in a tanker directly to a company that Hunter Biden apparently still has a financial stake in, at least on their corporate documents. The White House claims he sold it, uh, but the corporate documents say no, he didn't. Well, there, as you noted, there are serious concerns about corruption with Joe Biden and corruption involving taking very substantial sums of money directly from the Chinese communists in business dealings with his son that need to be made public, that I'm confident the House of Representatives is going to examine, and, and, and that need to be investigated in the Department of Justice. But, but mind you, DOJ is too busy going after Donald Trump to have time to do something like that. Um, although your question was, is the reason why they're doing it because Biden is compromised? And I actually don't think that's the reason they're doing it. The Democrat Party was pro-China long before Joe Biden. It's not because of Joe Biden's issues of corruption that the Democrat Party is pro-China. The Democrat Party is pro-China because it is structurally pro-China. If you look at the major funders of today's Democrat Party, they are big business, they are big Hollywood, they are big universities, and they are big tech. All four of those are in bed with communist China. And so the Democrat Party today cannot be vigorous standing up against communist China. Oh, sure, they can, they, they, they can give a comment here or there, but they can't actually take action to stand up to communist China because the people writing the checks to them, they're all Hunter Biden. That They're all in bed with prostitutes smoking crack with Chinese communists. Now, to be clear, I, I mean that metaphorically other than Eric Swalwell, but that is the reality of today's Democrat Party, and, and, and for someone who says, oh, come on, Ted, you're being hyperbolic, I want to point out a vote that I, ha I forced last year in the United States Senate. I forced a vote that said that no government funds could be spent to facilitate the acquisition of electric cars or parts for electric cars that were manufactured with slave labor in concentration camps in communist China. There are over one million Uyghurs currently in concentration camps right now today. We voted on the Senate floor, and every single Democrat except one, Joe Manchin, voted against that amendment. In other words, every Democrat, when given the chance, should the Biden White House be funding Chinese concentration camps with modern-day slavery, Every single de Democrat said, you betcha, and voted yes. That's today's Democrat Party. That's the fundamental problem. But I'll tell you this, Ben. I'm a member of the Judiciary Committee, and I'm a member of the Foreign Relations Committee. I believe both the Judiciary Committee and the Foreign Relations Committee should hold hearings on Chinese police stations on U.S. soil. We need to ascertain how widespread this is, where they are, what they're doing, and we need to pressure the Biden administration to shut them down. Now, I don't know if that will happen. If we had won on Election Day, if we had Republican majorities on Election Day, I could go on this podcast and tell you that will happen because with a Republican majority, I have 100% certainty we would have held those hearings and used the ability to, to pressure the Biden administration into action. With Democrat majorities, 
It comes down to Dick Durbin and Bob Menendez, and, and maybe they'll hold the hearings, maybe they won't. What I can tell you is I'm going to do everything I can to press them to do that, and I, and I hope they, that, that, that they do the right thing and hold those hearings and let the American people know what on earth is going on here. I want to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able, place your hand over your heart right now. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. We've partnered with Preborn because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's network of clinics rescues 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter that doubles a baby's chances at life. By six weeks, eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a little baby is able to suck his or her thumb. For just $28, you can be the difference between the life or death of a child. And if you're a business owner, perhaps you can consider a larger donation for a write-off because we know the government isn't working on saving babies. A donation of 1000 2000 20000 All gifts are tax-deductible and will reach eternity. Get involved today to donate just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250. Say the keyword baby or donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, on this subject, Senator, there's one thing that Ray said at the very end of his testimony that was kind of shocking to me. He said, the Justice Department might need to pursue, quote, remedies, and there may be a State Department dimension to this that we're looking into. If we're holding out for the State Department to fix this problem with China, how screwed are we? Well, actually, I don't take particular issue with that comment, because when you're dealing with a foreign nation, the State Department is your principal mode of communication. And so, for example, one State Department remedy is is what the Trump administration did in 2020, which is shutting down a consulate. Um, that's a major force of leverage. And so there's no doubt when interacting with, with China, let's be clear, I'm, I'm not advocating going to war with communist China. No one in their right mind wants two superpowers with nuclear weapons to start shooting at each other. 
What I am advocating is we protect U.S. sovereignty and we prevent the Chinese military and the Chinese police from engaging in unlawful conduct on United States soil. And, and that, that is primarily a law enforcement action. That is the Department of Justice and the FBI. But the State Department also has an element in terms of exerting pressure and being willing to stand up and fight. But they've got to be willing to stand up. And as I mentioned, at least so far, uh, the Biden administration has, has rolled over repeatedly for communist China. Yeah, to put it in perspective for everybody listening, the Chinese police station reportedly operates in lower Manhattan. It's run by the American Changli Association in New York Incorporated, which had its tax exempt status pulled by the IRS in May after it failed to submit its taxes for three years in a row. Uh, the outlets of the documents show the nonprofit group was founded in 2013, so it's been around for a while in the U.S., and paid $1.3 million three years later for a suite of offices that houses uh, this Chinese police station. So there you have it. Senator, I want to move to another issue, and that is you predicted the future. Uh, it will go back to a, a tweet of yours from about a year ago. Uh, you said the chances of the GOP retake the House in 2022 are over 90 percent. That's now happened. And you had a prediction. You said come 2023, Eric Swalwell, who likes to sleep with the Chinese enemy, Omar, uh, and others are getting ready to have a lot more time on their hands. Fast forward, Kev McCarthy now says he wants to block three Democrats from committees, the same three that you said a year ago was going to happen. This is obviously very good news for our national security. Well, it is. And, and so Kevin McCarthy has, has announced publicly that, that, that he is going to remove Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee and Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell from the House Intelligence Committee. And listen, that, this is an obvious step that, that McCarthy should take. Uh, and it makes sense. Although I will, I will pause and say I, I regret that this is happening. And here's why. This was all predicated on a year ago when Nancy Pelosi threw several Republicans off of committees. And, and I don't think either party's leader should have the authority to throw the other party's members off of committees. This will become an escalating war. And so when Pelosi, and by the way, she did this on the January 6th committee, that kangaroo, uh, that kangaroo court, when, when McCarthy wanted to put Jim Jordan uh, and Jim Banks on the committee, Pelosi said, no, 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 we, d we don't actually want any Republicans who will vigorously question our witnesses. We don't want any Republicans who will take the other side. We don't have want any Republicans who will defend Donald Trump. So we won't allow those Republicans on, only the ones that are willing to be useful idiots and say what we the Democrats want. It, it, it really, that's not how Congress should work. Republicans should determine which Republicans are on committees Democrats should determine which Democrats are on committees. Thankfully, that's the way the Senate works. So Chuck Schumer can't throw me off of any committee. And Mitch McConnell can't throw any Democrat off any committee. And actually, the Senate works even better than that, because on the Republican side, at least, Mitch McConnell can't throw me off any committee, whereas in the House, the Republican leader can remove Republicans from committees. The, the Speaker of the House has much more authority than the Senate Majority Leader. But where the House went last year was a truly unprecedented escalation. If Pelosi wanted to strip Swalwell from his committee assignment and say, look, Eric, 
you know, the fact that you were sleeping with a Chinese spy, it's kind of a problem for you sitting on the Intelligence Committee, so we're going to remove you. That actually would have made some sense. If, if Nancy Pelosi had said to Ilhan Omar, listen, you keep making anti-Semitic comments, you keep repeating vicious anti-Semitic tropes, we're not going to put you on the Foreign Affairs Committee. That would have been a reasonable thing for Nancy Pelosi to do in her own party if she actually cared about not being compromised to the Chinese communists or standing up against anti-Semitism. She didn't do that. Instead, she went after Republicans and engaged in partisan warfare. And I predicted then, I said the obvious tit for tat is when Republicans take control, they're going to have to remove some of these obvious low-hanging fruit. But the problem is this can only escalate. I don't think we should go down this road at all. And what's bizarre, it, it, it's actually a very interesting entree into the psyche of today's angry congressional Democrat. Because at the time Pelosi removed Republicans from committee assignments, they all knew Republicans were getting ready to take over. So this was not sure. a mystery. When I sent my tweet, everyone agreed that Republicans were getting ready to take over. In fact, most of us thought it was going to be a much bigger majority than unfortunately we had. But they all knew, as I said in my tweet a year ago, the odds were 90% or greater that Republicans were getting ready to take over. So they did it anyway because they're just so angry, burn it all down, they didn't care about where the next escalation would go, and and I think that process is only going to continue. You you look at Eric Swalwell, for example, and one of the points that I think the media has missed, Senator, is the fact that you know if there's a reason to have him not be on a committee, it's because if he was in the private sector, many have pointed out he wouldn't be able to get security clearance. It's not because he's a Democrat. It's because he's been compromised. And, and that's one of the facts that, that, that some have brought up, but so many have also overlooked, is if you want to say that he shouldn't be on a committee, it's from that standpoint. It shouldn't be, as you just mentioned, it, Republicans attacking Democrats and this escalating to, all right, we're going to kick your guys off and we're in control and vice versa. That's not how government's supposed to work. Well, and I'll point out also, so Swalwell and Schiff are both on the Intelligence Committee. And even within Congress... So the Intelligence Committee is special. It gets access to very, very classified materials. There's a whole range of classification within government materials, and, and, and you have uh, the highest level of classification that they keep incredibly tight constraints on. And typically the Intel Committee gets access to that information, and most other members of Congress don't. So I'm not on the Intel Committee. I'm on foreign relations, so I, I and, and judiciary, so I get access to a lot of classified information. But there's stuff Intel has that, that I don't ordinarily have access to. And if I wanted to, I could be on Intel. I chose to be on foreign relations instead of Intel, um, which it has a broader jurisdiction. Intel is more specialized. But the Intel Committee in particular, you want to talk about our most uh, – valuable secrets are secrets that that implicate American lives that potentially reveal American covert operatives that 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 literally can result in in CIA officers being murdered by our enemies if they fall into the wrong hands if there's one committee you want to make sure the members of that committee are not compromised in any way are not going to share secrets with our enemies it's the Intel committee and it is uh, 
fairly stunning that both Swalwell and Schiff are on the Intel Committee today. In January, they're not going to be. Yeah, which is obviously good news from that standpoint of a safety and security measure. Want to remind you, don't forget, uh, share verdict with your family and friends. Hit that subscribe or auto download button so you get this show three days a week and get involved and make sure you reach out to your senators, especially that list of 12 that we talked about uh, on the gay marriage bill and the Mike Lee Amendment. Make sure it's attached to the bill. It's not an up or down vote on its own. Make sure you know what you're asking for. Uh, you can go back and listen to the extended version of that conversation in a prior verdict. So grab that one. Uh, and this is the last time we're going to talk to you before Thanksgiving. So to all you happy Thanksgiving, Senator, I know you want to say something to everybody listening about Thanksgiving as well. Well, I hope everyone has a wonderful and blessed Thanksgiving. I hope you enjoy some some turkey and stuffing and and uh, pie. We're going to have a great Thanksgiving with with our family. We're going to be with with our extended family. Uh, Caroline is going to make uh, chocolate pies for everyone, and we're going to have. It's a Cuban Thanksgiving, so we'll be be sitting around around the table after eating, and we'll play some dominoes and be yelling. There's there's an old joke if 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 Cubans can't yell can they talk and the answer is no that's the only way Cubans can communicate with each other is screaming, um, but you know I hope Thanksgiving is a time I'll probably play my nephew some some one on one basketball which I've been playing him since he was about four years old and I've been beating him and beating him and beating him and he just graduated from Baylor and I will say it's a depressing mark, he's now oh twenty two twenty three years old you know big strapping young guy he was the captain of his high school basketball team and and it's gotten to the point I can can still beat him but he's now beating me which is which is always a sort of it's it's actually it's it's both depressing and it, and it's a moment of pride when you when you see someone that you've been been teaching a game and playing with since they were uh, a tiny kid gaining skills so I'll do that hopefully I won't break an ankle uh, but I hope everyone take time to be with your family, take time to hug your kids, take time to hug your mom, hug, hug your dad. Look, you don't you don't know if everyone that's that's at the family table tomorrow, if they'll be there for the next Thanksgiving. It's it's one of the great reminders that that every day we have is is, is a blessing and a gift from God. And 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 I would encourage everyone. Take time, take rest, but but try to do. Also, particularly with your kids, try to remember what Thanksgiving is about, about giving thanks to God, giving thanks to the blessings you have. And one of the things we try to do with our girls every every Sunday as we drive to church in the car, we ask each, each of our girls, both of our girls, um, what are three things you're grateful for? And we try to make that a weekly, and, and Heidi and I go around, um, uh, you know, I would say take Thanksgiving to, to at least have a little time of reflection for all the things we have to be thankful for. That, that you know, it's easy to be so angry. It's easy to be frustrated. There's lots to be angry about. There's lots to be frustrated about. But there's also lots to say, thank you, God. Thank you for your incredible blessings. Thank you that we live in the United States of America. Thank you that we enjoy freedom. That thank you that that at least right now these Chinese police stations are not coming to arrest me. That's that 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 that's something to be very grateful for. Thank you that that we enjoy peace and freedom and prosperity that for almost the entirety of human history has not existed on planet Earth. That yeah. there is truly no better time to be alive than right now and with all of the challenges and look everyone we're fighting against forces that are trying to tear down our country that's a fight worth fighting you know what i'm thankful for 
I'm thankful that we get to fight that fight. I'm thankful that we get to be in the arena and fight for things that matter. And so love your kids, love your family, rest, eat, eat till you're stuffed, watch some football, but, but spend time also giving thanks because we've got a lot to be thankful for. No doubt about it. I got one last question. This is an important one, Senator. Fried, smoked, or oven-baked? How's the turkey going to come out of your house? Uh, oven-baked. Uh, ah, I've there never... we go. Traditional. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I've, I've never done the fried thing. I've heard lots of good things about the fried thing, but I've never been adventurous enough to try that. Smoked is okay, but I like to oven-bake better. I just think it tastes better, and my mom makes really good stuffing, and, and so we'll do, we'll, we'll do that, which is fun. I will tell you, my sister Miriam, years ago, when, when, when I was in college, uh, my sister Miriam, who's nine years older than I am, um, and, and she's the sister who passed away from an overdose uh, about a decade ago. But she was living in Philadelphia, and so I was, I don't know, 19, 20 years old, so she's 28, 29, and her son Joey, my nephew, was, was a little boy at the time, and I was going to spend Thanksgiving with Miriam at her apartment. And Miriam, I loved her deeply. She was a good person, but she made lots and lots of foolish decisions. And and she was a little scatterbrained. So she was having her little brother over for Thanksgiving dinner, and she'd never done that before. And so she put the turkey in the oven, but she didn't quite understand how long you needed to cook the turkey. And so when I got there for Thanksgiving dinner, it wasn't ready, and it wasn't ready, and it wasn't ready. And it was finally ready at 2 in the morning. So we had Thanksgiving dinner at 2 in the morning. And Joey and I are just laughing at my sister. It was it was a wonderful and fun time. But we're cracking up that, like, well done, Miriam, a 2 a.m. Thanksgiving dinner. Um, you know, not Julia Childs. But you know what? It was family and there was love. So that, that, that that's what you want in Thanksgiving. Hey, at least she didn't leave the uh, bag of the uh, innards inside the cavity. I've had that experience of going to someone's house. They asked me to carve the turkey at uh, uh, our family friends. My dad looked at me and I looked at him and I was like, what do we do now? He was like, we take it out and we don't say a darn word about it. And that's what we did. Senator, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Uh, for everybody listening, happy Thanksgiving to you guys as well. Uh, don't forget, on Friday, we'll have a new episode for you. Not a rerun. So on your way home from seeing family and friends, make sure you download Verdict on Friday. We'll have a new episode for you then. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you back here on Friday morning. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.